Welcome to Hearthside Salons. I'm Heidi Hornbacher of Pagecraft Writing. Each week we bring you conversations with creators and innovators to feed your creative fire. One of the things on a lot of our minds right now is inclusion. Who gets a seat at the table? Who gets to be the center of the story? We've been seeing a lot about the importance of representation and what it can do for the self-esteem, expectations, and goals of the viewer. One of the things that struck me most about what actress Rebecca Field says to me today is that seeing someone like her on screen as someone who was deserving of love made a huge difference. Just think about that. Seeing yourself in a normalized relationship on screen can make you feel like you deserve to be loved in real life. That's powerful stuff. I find Rebecca inspiring for many reasons. She's an advocate of remembering to celebrate the small victories we tend to overlook in life. Her work ethic and her pursuit of her goal of building a sustainable career as an actor is admirable and has results. Her IMDb page is huge, and I see her popping up on TV shows all the time now. And all this makes me especially happy because she's my cousin. A note to listeners, we start today by talking about the existence of sexual assault in relation to the show Unbelievable. I keep seeing you on TV. I know. It's like you're everywhere. On on the, oh, on All Rise, I bet. All Rise, yep. Most recently there. That was a fun surprise for us because like we weren't, like I don't, you know, I don't, I I wasn't watching the show. I was in the other room and he just turns on TV and he's like, I'm watching this new show now. And all of a sudden he's like, Becky's on TV. I was like, (laughs) what? And I come running in like we didn't know, you know, so yeah, it's always fun to see you pop up and stuff. Thanks. Right before quarantine or the pandemic, whatever, they uh, I started doing that show as the new head of the public defender's office. And so I did two episodes and then the pandemic happened. But I've just done three because they're back nice. to work now. So, yeah. So oh, cool. Oh, they're shooting again. Oh, that's great. They are. Yep. It's real interesting. I'll tell you. <laughs> I was going to say, how much more slowly does production go now that like there's all the COVID compliance stuff? Oddly, it does not go slower. They have like really? 700 more cameras. So sometimes you come in and you don't even turn or you don't even do a turnaround. It's just wow. cameras everywhere. Little ones like just yeah. everywhere. Just gathering every shot and you just do the scene three or four times, five times, and then you're done. Wow. Yeah. Way fewer setups for sure. Um, but I found that that was the first episode I did. And then the second and third, there seemed to be back into a little more setup wise, but you know, interesting. Yeah. All right. Cool. What was interesting. I can't remember if you were on that episode, but what was interesting was their final episode was all on zoom. Yeah, they asked that me, was, they, that was really innovative. Me. It was innovative. I thought it was too. They pinned me for it, but they didn't end up using me. I was, I was kind of excited to, to, to be a part of it, but then they didn't use me, which is, you know, that's fine. But it was cool. It was cool what they decided to try to do in light of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing I was most excited about was when I saw you pop up in Unbelievable. Because I love that. I, that was I, honestly, it was such a small thing, but it was my favorite. It's one of my favorite things I've ever done. Really? Like what actually was, watching back. I just, well, it was a nice set. It was a quick, a quick time there, but it was a nice set. But I just mean like when I watched my work back, I'm usually really critical and I felt like it was like, a, I just felt like in a short amount of time, I felt like I, I don't know. I just felt like it was a good character and I felt like it was full. Very cool. It was so well yeah. written. Yeah. And, it was. and just it's to take show. Yeah. To take part in a show like that, that I think yeah. is such an important, yes, so much important things to say about violence against women and 
hundred percent and believing not believing women and all that stuff yes highly highly recommend Raph was when he was watching when we watched the series together he kind of felt like oh my god enough already because you know how at the beginning they use the first episode is brutal yeah but they just keep interviewing her interview and bringing her back in and I was like that's what it's supposed to do though is make you uncomfortable and annoyed because imagine being someone who's been violated and then you've got people doubting you and questioning you that many times that's what that's the intent of it is to make you feel like are you kidding me yeah, like, treating you it. like you're the criminal. Like you're the criminal, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course they get in your head and like you start doubting yourself. And yeah, of course. Then you get I, confused and you're like, well, can I make, just make this go away if I say this or this? Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Or maybe yeah, I didn't I, remember it right. I know there's no way to actually get these statistics, but I'm so curious to know how many cases of women who do report then get undone or thrown out or dismissed because of that. Because yeah, of, right. of women getting so tangled, or, or men too, but like victims getting so tangled up in, and just then wanting it to go away. Yeah. Which is totally, like, which is terrible. Talk to me a little bit about what was it like when you were a kid back in Lenox? Did you already always know you wanted to be a performer? Like, what was it like? Yeah, when I was, I mean, when I was little, I was an only child. I mean, I have a stepbrother and sister who I'm close with now and love and adore, but I didn't grow up with them. So for all intent and purposes, growing up, I was an only child. And um, as you know, but uh, I, yeah, I just was always performing. I was, my whole, as you know, our side of the family are a bunch of jokesters and they love to be funny and the center of attention and whatnot. So um yeah. So I just feel like I was always kind of a ham like that. And I told my mom when I was like three that I was going to be a famous actress someday. I'm hardly famous, but at least the actress part, I worked out. Yeah. But I remember telling her that and she remembers that vividly too. I just always wanted to put on plays and shows and whatever. So I did it forever. And then she, <laughs> when her and my dad got divorced, she was uh, later, a couple of years later, I was having trouble in school acting out and whatnot. And the guidance counselor had told her that maybe I needed an outlet for all of my, my emotions. So she, he suggested theater because I was so interested in acting and whatever. So I took some acting classes and then I just did it, you know, always. I feel like I realized that you were a singer first. Like that's kind of the thing that I was like, Oh, Becky always sings. And she has this beautiful voice. Oh, that's nice. Nobody would know that though. Cause I'm too embarrassed to sing in front of anyone. Now, <laughs> but it like, yeah. but at Eastover and stuff, you, you used to sing all oh, the yeah. time. Yeah. True. And that's when I was like, she's got this Janice that she does that is out of this world. And I always it, wanted to play Janice. Now I'm too old, but I was so, I so wanted to play Janice Joplin. Oh. I know she's I a know. hero. Yeah. Talk about women who uh, were not appreciated in their time and, you know, maltreated by the men around them. Yeah. Ballsy lady. Yeah, for sure. Well, so it, then it's, I would imagine that your parents weren't that surprised when you were like, I'm going to be an actor. I'm moving to LA. No. And I don't remember. I'm sure they had like trepidations about it, but I don't remember them ever. Um, I mean, really kindly never deterring me or saying like, you shouldn't do that or that's stupid or why would you, that's, it's a pipe dream. Like they never did that to me. They're like, okay, so just make sure you're prepared then. What do you need to do? You need to save money and you need to go to college. That was, I think, the deal. Like, you do have to go to college. Um, And then after that, you know, we'll help you move out wherever you want to be or whatever you want to do. 
and I thought I would go to New York because it was closer to home. Sure. And I loved New York and I did theater there one summer. But um, then I just kind of was like, well, I really am more interested in TV and film. And at the time, it's not true. It does not hold true anymore. But at the time, back in my old days, <laughs> uh, I'm like 900. It was more, it was just theater there, really. I mean, there, you know, like a movie would shoot there, but everything that was happening television wise was in LA still. Yeah. So uh, I just thought, well, go big or go home. I might as well try the harder, bigger thing. I can always come back and go to New York and be closer to home, but it's sure. going to be harder at that point to say let's go to LA so it's funny because like when I was a kid you know my mom was the one the the most glamorous Lennox export at the time she was the one that had left and had become a stewardess yeah not a a flight attendant yeah not a flight attendant because it's the 60s she was a stewardess and it was the most glamorous freaking thing and then it's like fancy yeah I know and now it's like she was she was like traveling all over and what a life but like now, like you're the real deal. Like you have, are an actor in LA. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, and you have a nickname when you go home, right? Hollywood. <laughs> I was going to say, gee, how did that come out? How about, did, yeah. did a family member give that to you or someone? At, no, my friend town? Shannon, my friend, my friend Shannon in town, her mom, Lori, uh, the Hoffs, Shannon Hoff and her mom, Lori calls me to Hollywood. Hey, Hollywood, how you doing? <laughs> so it's pretty funny. What's it like when you go back? It's so normal. I mean, it really is like there might be like a friend of a friend or a friend of a parent or something like that. That's like, oh, your daughter's. Oh, that's exciting. Or, oh, your your friend is that's you know her, blah, blah, blah. But usually it's just like it's like cheers. It's just like all my people. I'm so close with so many people at home and I love it there. And it's just normal. They treat me. They razz me. They bust my chops. And it's just normal. It's just like being home. That's what you need. You need people to keep you grounded grounded for sure. I mean, there's no way I'd be up in La La Land, but they're, they keep me for sure. Right. Smack down on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) I love our family. Do you remember what your first audition was when you first got here? Like, no, I wish I did. I wish I was a better journal. I've always wanted to be a journal keeper and I go in spurts. So I, I, it's not consistent, which I hate that about myself. I want that consistency because I have a terrible memory too. I don't remember what the first one was. But like the first booking, I think the first time I booked something was not too long after I started auditioning, thankfully. And it was either, it was either Monk or the Jamie Kennedy experiment. I can't remember. Oh, wow. It was one of my first. Yeah. So I think I did maybe the Jamie Kennedy experiment, which oddly was, was scarier than Monk because it was like all improvised. Yeah. With Jamie Kennedy. And he was a big deal at the time. I mean, he still is, but you know what I mean? Like his show was like a big thing. So yeah, yeah, but it was one of those two things, uh, either monk or that, that I booked first and I was scared, you know, but it was fun. Well, but that's a whole nother thing to be booked as a sketch artist, as like, as an improviser, because yeah, and I don't, and I took a ton of improv, but no one, I can't get arrested when it comes to that. It seems like, except for that one time. Tell me a little bit about those early years. Like what were some of the fun things, some of the scary things, like what was, or an unexpected like you booked a thing and it was not what you expected or easier or harder? Well, I think, I think just coming here was scary because I literally came by myself. I did not know anybody. Um, and I, I, there was like a friend of a friend that lived out here and he was very kind to me and helped me get a job with a lady that he knew who was a manager. And so I kind of felt like, well, I don't even know how to start acting. So 
and maybe if I at least work for her, I'll learn the whole how like how an audition works, how you get one, who the casting people are, all the I'll learn the ropes essentially. So I did that for a couple of years. I was an assistant to a manager, talent manager. And um, and I think that was just like the best education. And then she was kind enough to hip pocket me, which is a term, you know, a term they used to use when someone wouldn't commit to you and you wouldn't sign like that they were your agent, but they just kind of like throw you an audition here or there. Yeah. And so that's how it got started. And it was very scary because I didn't come out here to be an assistant. So here I am making like no, no money, running around, trying to submit myself to through breakdowns and things like that, or take acting classes and, you know, running from work all day to an acting class and submitting and hoping you get an audition and praying. Yeah. So it would, the whole thing was kind of scary because you just kind of kept feeling like, I don't know if this is, is this going to work out? Like, how yeah. do you ever get to the next step or how does this, you know, change? But even just having that much, because I feel like a lot of people start talking, they start telling their story and they're like, well, and then I got my first audition and I'm like, right, but how, how did you get that far? Right. So like, that's, that's a really a good, it's yeah. a good piece. That's like, it is because people ask me all the time. I have like, like I said, friends of friends or people that are like, oh, my daughter's moving out there. Can you give her advice? And I honestly can't. I can just tell you my story and yeah. I can say, work hard, get in classes, try to network with people. Yeah. I, but there's no rhyme or reason to how it happens. It's difficult to figure out who the agents are and then how to get them to pay attention to you or get a meeting with them to get an agent because you need an agent to get auditions, but you can't yeah. get auditions without work. If you've never had any work behind you, they're not really that apt to see you. It's like a whole catch 22. So it's just, it's very interesting to find out how people get their auditions eventually or get their agents and how it all works out for them because it's such a conundrum. Did you ever get an audition that you felt like you absolutely bombed and then got the call that you got the part? Oh yeah. Um, I'm sure there were hundreds before this, but the one that just jumped into my brain, <laughs> I ended up being on a show called The Client List with uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Loretta Devine and Sybil mm -hmm. Shepard and, and many other wonderful actors. In the audition, I ended up, oh, on my resume, it said played saxophone for 12 years, might be rusty, but can still play. And he was like, oh, you play the saxophone. I'm like, yep, I was a band dork. And then two seconds later, his face fell and he was like, oh, my daughter's in the band or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. And I was like, oh, well, it's awesome to be the band dorks, you know? But I just like felt like I could not, I could not like backpedal from that moment. I felt like he was like really offended and then I ended up getting the part. So I was like, oh God, that's not been as bad as I felt like it was. Amazing. I thought uh, you were going to say the, they asked you to play saxophone and you were like, just kidding. Yeah. Well, that would have been even funnier because I bet I could play still the Star Spangled Banner and that's probably all I could play. Amazing. I'm well, not even sure I can read music anymore. I've had that from other actor friends that are like, yeah. And it says that I can speak French and German. I can't speak those languages, you know? And then like, what if yeah. you get called on that? What if you get right. the, accent, the accents are the biggest one. I can do all these yeah. accents and then you get asked and you can't do it. Yeah, that's embarrassing. That's horrible. The first thing that I then was like really aware of for you, like as a central part was October Road, which mm. ironically is about, an, uh, you know, a creative person going home to their small town yeah. And, you know, being the people that keep them grounded. So just tell me a little bit about like, how did you, how that that's come about? Actually, that's actually like when we were shooting October Road, we always, the cast members always used to say that was like lightning in a bottle. It was a really mm -hmm. special experience for everyone, I think. Um, but the way it came about is pretty magical. I, it's my most magical story to date. 
I had lived here about seven years and I was feeling really down in the dumps. Like I wanted to move home and I had pretty much decided, I just felt like wasn't really making great friends here. I was working as an assistant yet again. And I'd had a couple wins. Like I had had the, you know, the monk thing and a couple other things, but I just kind of felt like it wasn't, I wasn't moving along. And in the spring of that year, I had auditioned for a show called October Road but never heard anything back. It was like a big audition for me because it was for a recurring or series recurring, I think, or series regular. Fall comes along and I am like, I'm miserable. I'm 3000 miles away from my family. I think I've given it a good go. Seven years is a pretty great like time to move on. And I thought to myself, well, I can't just leave right this second. I got a lot of whatever. And so I grabbed a bottle of wine and I'd been seeing this hypnotherapist in the summer and he had suggested that I do a uh, vision board. And I was like, okay, dude, like I'm from the East Coast. I was just like, all right, with your vision board, whatever. So I'd forgot about that. And then I was kind of like, eh, maybe I'll try that thing that guy was talking about. Just like, he's like, put your wildest dreams. Don't put any stop on it. Like anything as high as you can imagine. Don't, you know, whatever. So I was like, all right, screw it. So I grabbed my wine and sat down and I made this vision board. And at the time, ABC was like the hot network. Grey's mm. Anatomy had come out and it was like rock and roll network. Everyone wanted to be on ABC. So the only emblem I put on there was ABC. And I said, I wanted to be on an ensemble show, you know, whatever. I put like a couple really specific things. And then I was planning, I called my parents. A leaf. You put a little fall yeah, leaf. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> I don't know if it was that specific, but. I think I kept it somewhere. I don't know where it is right now. But anyway, I was taking acting classes with this gentleman named Brad William Hankey, who's an actor. And he called me three weeks later and said, hey, my buddy who wrote the show October Road, they fired the first one from the pilot and they're looking for this character. And I was like, I went in for that. And he's like, great. Well, you're going back in. I got you an audition. So I went back in for the same role that I'd gone in for millions of years prior. And I ended up getting it. And so like three weeks later, I was literally flying off to Atlanta and and doing October Road. I was only a recurring guest star at first and I was only supposed to be in three episodes. And then I ended up doing all six of the first season because they did mm -hmm. like a happy season. Yeah. And then the next year they turned me into a full on series regular and we did another season and then sadly ended too soon with the writer's yeah. strike and whatnot. Yeah. Right, right. I, but it was really cool. It was. And I remember... Um, that it was because you your character was so interesting that they yeah. that's why they wanted to make you more of a full character right I mean that's what I think I mean <laughs> I don't know if they I mean I don't remember now and they would probably watch this or listen to this and be like all right settle down Rebecca but, um, <laughs> no but I do think that I think it was interesting I think it was like not the typical size zero or size four girl who had a love interest that was actually you know good looking and and you know popular kind of you know whatever kind of ridiculous verbiage you want to use now but it was just a an odd match for what tv hadn't been showing yeah. up until that point and yeah that's what I loved about Janet because she she got to tell a story that was atypical and so positive it was just like yeah such a like hello people yes yay life yeah exactly the show did dealt with stuff but your character specifically dealt with like feminist issues um yeah for sure I loved, I mean, that's what I loved. I loved the fact that Janet was a regular person because I remember, you know, like people will say this about 
about a lot of stuff, Black Lives Matter, you know, I know a lot of Black friends or African-American, whatever, that will say, like, I don't have anybody on TV, or at one point, they didn't, that represent them, and yeah. I sort of felt similarly, uh, it's not the same, so please don't misinterpret anyone who's listening, I'm not trying, but I'm saying, as an overweight, plus-size girl growing up, especially love interest wise, I never saw someone like me that got to be loved by someone looking like Jeff Stoltz yeah. or that that was an acceptable, you know, it was either like you just put two chubby people together and that was it. And it was like, they barely showed anything. So I, it felt great to be a part of many people that came before me, the Rosie O'Donnell's and the Cameron Mannheim's and the, you know, a, a million people, uh, that, paved the way for people to see plus size women in a different way. And I felt really grateful to just be even a tiny little piece of that on television where we got to see someone in a different light Yeah, and someone on could watch on the other end and be like, that girl looks like me. Oh, There's someone so who great. represents me. That's really cool. Yeah. And she's like, gets the hot guy and she feels bad about herself and she's honest about it, but she really is a great person and he loves her for her. And that's awesome. And she's yeah. gaining confidence. And it was, so that was cool. That was a great part. Following that, that further down the line is now AD Bryant with Shrill and, yes. um, and Dietland um, with yes. Plum, Plum. I can't remember the actress who plays her, but like so good. And so right. like, and, and, and AD Bryant's character on Shrill is, is definitely like, yeah, I, this is the hot guy. That's my boyfriend. Thank you very much. Totally. And it's like, yeah, there's so many great characters now that are, beautiful plus size women that are just people. Like I just wanted to see, I'm glad that things have changed now where people are just people and it doesn't have to be about your yeah. your size based on who you can be in love with or whatever. Yeah. yeah, like if I look at back, way back, if we look back at the casting of like 90210, you know, it's yeah. like they were all cast, I mean, I can't speak because I wasn't in the room, but it looks like they were all cast based on, you know, their modeling profiles. You know, yeah. it's not like lots of beard, lots of beautiful, perfect looking people. Or what we just like, never mind. The, yeah, it's like cast yeah. them for their looks first and then see if they can act rather than, yeah, totally. What if you just see about the actors and their quality and tell a human story and then, yes, like that's one thing I know a couple plus size actor friends and I bitch about is like it used to be, and it's not this way as much anymore, but it used to be that it would be like the breakdowns would say they're looking for a lawyer. So, I yeah, can well, play a, I can play a lawyer. Yeah. But it's almost like they wouldn't see you unless it's specified a plus size lawyer. Oh, and I just always feel like I could be a doctor, a lawyer, a homeless person. Like I can play anything. What does my, what does my, you know, the number and tag on my clothes have to do with anything? Yeah. And so I feel like that's changed a bit, you know, not, it's not perfect, but it's changed a bit. Look, what excites you in a role when you get sides or you first get an audition or even and then just get the script like what makes you go oh my god I can't wait to play this something I mean I, this is so vague I suppose but something you feel like you can sink your teeth into like a character that's got a lot of battles to overcome or mm. things to overcome I mean which yes. all people do but I, if it's if it's richly told and it's storytelling I feel like that's exciting to like see someone trying to scrape out of a situation or yes. overcome a hurdle and so they're always masking something but you can feel that there's so much going on underneath the surface of that you know yes yeah I just I think like the complexity of human behavior and life is really interesting obviously yeah I mean I I would like in my lifetime soon to have someone believe in me like a director or writer so much that they take the time 
to really foster something with me where I could play a more meaty role and have some time to sink. I mean, I've been grateful for what I've gotten, but you know what I'm saying? Like get yeah. back on a series where there's something where I can see the yeah. progression of a character go through time or a really juicy movie where there's like a blip of a moment of somebody's life that I can really dive into or whatever. I would yeah. love to see you on a series again. Yeah, me too. And it's funny, everything you just said is about, is exactly in alignment with the type of stuff we teach about, you know, how to write a good character. You know, they've yeah. got to have flaws. They've got to have this inner turmoil. They've got to have really strong goals. They've got to be high stakes. What has she got to lose if this doesn't right. work out? What does she stand to gain? You know, it, it can't just be, eh, just because there yeah, has right, to be right. really strong motivation. So it's like, yeah. yes, you heard it and from the, the better, actor first. Yeah. And the more well-written that part is, then the, not the less work, but I mean, you know, the less we have to do as actors, because you guys give us so much on the page. Carlo just said, I heard you had a pretty juicy role on Criminal Minds, but yeah, just the one episode. Yeah, that was, that was one of my other favorites. I really oh, love yeah. doing that. Well, you got to okay. kill a guy in a lake, right? I got to be psycho, yeah. A oh, girl, so. it was actually a girl, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you don't see a lot of female uh, serial killers or just, or mur yeah. murderesses. So That's that was right. fun. It was really fun. What of the shows that are on TV now, like, what do you love? And what are you like, oh, that's the kind, that's the show I would love to be on. Uh, I just need to be on Ozark. Oh. I need to be on Ozark. Um, Fair. I love Succession. It's so good. I'm in the middle, actually not even in the middle. I'm in the last episode. I know I'm super far behind, so it's not on TV anymore, but I get, need to give it a shout out because I'm wrapped up in it right now. Downton Abbey. Oh my Aww. God. I've never seen it. And I'm just about 15 minutes away from the finale. But at least I have the movie after that to look forward yeah. to a little something extra. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what's coming to mind right now are those two. I just love, what are you watching that you love right now? Well, I think it's interesting that you mentioned all dramas and not a com no comedies. I know, and I really want to do comedy, but that's that is weird. I don't know yeah. why I feel I more drawn. Well, people hire me more for drama, but I feel more drawn to it, mm. I guess, too. Even though well, I, do. I always think of you as comedy. Yeah, it's so You're nobody so else funny. does. You're so nice. Nobody else does at all. But I love like whenever we'll watch, um, you know, like horrible bosses or something like that, and then see all their out. It's just like. That is the life, man. A yes. freaking movie like that where all you do is bust each other's balls and dink around all day, cracking yes. up. Like, what could be better than that? There is nothing in life that's better than a, a, a really good fall over laugh. Yes. Where you just like, your belly hurts. I haven't laughed like that in yes. far too long. It's like, that's that's a family weekend, but just transposed yes. to the workplace. Yes, that's what I need. I need a family, <sighs> a family moment transposed into my work now. We are... Finally finishing up the last season of Schitt's Creek, which we adore. Which, I, yes, I haven't Ugh. done the last. I'm looking forward to doing that, actually. I've done a few seasons of it, and I need to, like, get back in and yeah. crack up and hunker down. I love that. Uh, that's, it's making, like, it, it's, it's, it's healing for the heart, that show. Yes, so um, good. Drama-wise, we're all up in uh, Lovecraft Country. and that's Okay, I'm going to start that. That's one so of my good. next on my list. Is it good? It's so I've good. Great it's, things. It's such a, there's a syllabus online that you can find that helps you understand all the historical references in every episode and why they're significant. It's, it's such a well done, well crafted in every aspect of that show. Ooh, I can't so, wait. That's exciting. All right. Yeah. 
Um, we also love Ozark, of course. Oh, um, so good. You know, show I miss that I'm like, wish, I wish would come back is Glow. Yeah, I saw that. I, I watched the first two seasons of that, and then I don't, I didn't fall out of favor necessarily, but then I just forgot, and I should get back to that too. We had the a similar. We yeah. kind of drifted away from it, and then we came back to it, and then like couldn't put it down. We were just like, yeah. oh, when is it coming back? Because um, it's that one is really d- diving deep into female friendships, and yeah. just like you know what makes us tick, and what us trying to. Um, oh, Carlos says glow is done. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're not coming back. No, oh, really? Heartbreak. Boston. Oh, that, that that's right. Carlo just reminded me the boys. Oh my God, we love the boys. Ah, it's so good. It. So so good. Oh, I love it. It's so. I, what I love about that show is that it's like, it's so satirical and snarky, and it's like you know, progressive and feminist and everything else dressed up in this, like, yeah, what, of course, of course, if superheroism were corporatized, it would be nothing but corruption. Yeah, And sexism. Just like everything else, yeah. And fascism. And it's like- You want to know what what else we're watching? This is like, I mean, real guilty pleasure, but it was fun. We just watched Cobra Kai. Oh my God, we love that show. It's so fun, right? It's so fun. I would argue it is- it is not yeah. a guilty pleasure. It is an extremely well-written show. I thought it, okay, okay, good. I thought I was like, is the guys, the guys who created it are um, uh, Hayden Schlossberg and um, I'm missing, they, anyway, they directed uh, American Pie Reunion that oh, I was in. Oh, oh, oh. And they're just lovely guys. And I feel embarrassed now that I'm blanking. Of course. What the heck? So you know them when you call and be like, get me on the show, guys. Come on. I know. Well, it's funny. I bumped into one of them on the airplane when I was shooting a show in the, uh, and last summer in um in Atlanta, they were going to do Cobra Kai. And I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? And he's like, Cobra Kai. And I hadn't seen it yet. It was like in its earlier seasons. But I, I wish that uh now I wish I'd been like, guys, get me on that show. That's fun. <sighs> me and Johnny. It's such a great thing because it's, you know, looking at the same events from the bad guy's point of view. And then you see, oh, wait a minute. You know, he's no worse or better than than ralph's character you yeah, know right. it's just like like if you look at it from his point of view he's the villain yeah, Mach, you know, yeah. came in steal his girlfriend kick him in the head it's an illegal kick but like the movie you know karate kids like oh he's the hero but when you really turn it around you it see the other side how they do it yeah and so i love that that's like anyone every character in the script thinks they're the hero of the script anyway no one thinks of the bad guy so right. to write a character you've got to write a character from that point of view and i think they just are so brilliant about turning it all around in that show perambulating towards the apocalypse aka the umbrella academy <laughs> it's like we can't we can't put it down we can't quit it as much as we want to because the writing is so slack it's so just like here's a scene where everything's about to blow up but let's stop and have a conversation about feelings and it's like no one has time for this what are you doing yeah it's ridiculous. i have not seen that yet it's, it's fun. That's a good guilty pleasure because it's really fun okay. and light and silly. And, you know, you can walk away for a scene and not miss anything because the scenes aren't working hard enough, as we like to say. They should be doing okay. more than one thing, but they don't. God bless them. They made it on, they made it on TV and we haven't. So, hey. Yeah, exactly. You talked about a client list. How did you end up on that? Uh, just, you know, at that point, by that point, I had been doing it a while and had had enough with the October Road series regular and then done enough guest stars that I had an agent and all of those things. And they just got me an audition, uh, auditioned and, and booked it. Yeah. And you love working with Jennifer, right? Yes. It was really fun. It was really yeah. fun. 
she yeah. seemed like a very kind uh scene not series partner I was gonna say scene partner but not not just one scene but like yeah yeah we, it was great yeah it was great we had a lot of fun and it was fun playing best friends it was we had a lot so of laughs so tell me about the audition for Star is Born yeah, it's kind of anticlimactic. I mean, it's not. In the end, I got this great role. But I mean, the audition itself, like everything had started moving more and more to being on tape these days. And that was one of those auditions that was on tape. So I went to their office, got put on tape. And then a month later, I thought it was done. And I I, I had just booked a movie with one couple, one little scene with Joaquin Phoenix called Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. Oh, right. Yeah. So that was really exciting. And so then I had auditioned for both of these around the same time and I never heard back from A Star is Born. And all of a sudden, like a month and, I would say a month and a half or something later, or a month, they, they were like, oh yeah, you, you want to do that part? You got that. And I was like, no way. And it was actually two scenes, one with Lady Gaga and Anthony Ramos from Hamilton. And then one with, you know, the one scene that ended up in the movie where we're, I greet her at the, the car bring her or whatever. Back, yeah. So I was a little sad that the other scene, because it was much more intimate and, you know, she's really pissed at Bradley Cooper's character, Jackson Maine. And it was, you know, it was just her and I one-on-one, blah, blah, blah. And it was fun, but they, that scene got cut out of the film entirely. So is it is it, so in a, is it in the deleted scenes? I don't know. I don't think so. I tried to, I, I don't know if I've even gotten the DVD to, to check, but I don't think so. Well, it's really a shame because when you explained the scene to me, it seems like it actually would have been a great scene for the narrative to have in the yes, film. So I don't, I don't I understand agree. as a director, I don't understand why they cut it. So there must be other reasons, but there must be reasons. Yeah. I'm not sure either, but needless to say, I'm very grateful. It was a very small cast and you know, I could have been cut out entirely. So I was super happy to be yeah. part of that. It was a really one of those other lightning in a bottle. Like I wasn't a part of all of it the whole time they shot, but it was really special when I was there. I could tell that it was something special, you know, so what was, what was it like? What was Gaga like to work with as a scene partner? She's just great. She's super down to earth. She really is. I mean, everyone called her Stephanie. She was going to, you know, that was just, it was Stephanie obviously on set and she was very kind. And, you know, the couple scenes I had with her were both intense. So she was very focused on what she was doing. And Bradley was lovely too, but he was also directing the film and starring in it. And yeah, and, and, it's a lot. and so as kind as everybody was, there's a lot going on, you know, for all of them. Yeah. But they were all great people. I mean, really, like, couldn't, I would love to work with them again. It was really fun. I'm sure. Well, I, I can't even think I told you this. I ran into Bradley at the local coffee place because he lives in my neighborhood. Oh, yeah, you told me that. And I was like, you know my cousin. And he looked at me like, uh, strange lady, please go away from me now. Yeah. And I was oh. like, but then I was like, no, Rebecca Field, a star is born. And he was like, oh, like you could see the penny drop when he was like, "Thank God you're not just some rando." You're not some psycho. Okay. Like, well, I mean that remains to be seen, but like it was so. And I said, I said, "Did she sing for you? Did he have? Did she? Did you ever sing?" And he goes, "No, this. Uh, did she didn't sing at all. Uh, I didn't know." And I was like, "Well, that was your first mistake." And he was yeah. just like, "How okay. are you, lady?" Was I he told, nice enough about it all, though? Oh yeah, he was really nice. It was really that's nice. He's that, great. Know, yeah. I, yeah, I said that you'd love working with him, and he was like, "That's great. That's great." But, oh, you know, that's sweet. Anyway, he, he said that next time he's directing you, I'll have you sing something. Oh, great. I Not to worry. It's so <laughs> funny. There was a job I was up for recently and it was like all, it was comedy. I got to sing. 
and it shot in New York. It was literally like my top three dream list, like yeah. umbrella things. I was like, oh, and I got really close. I was in the mix and then it didn't happen. Well, I think maybe you I'm getting to, closer. You need to do another one of those uh, dream boards. Vision boards. I know. Boards. I have one on my wall right there, but it's a little old. I need to update it. I think it's not specific enough. I have one too. It's right over there. Yeah. I have I have a friend that that convenes a, a thing every uh, at the beginning of each year. I was gonna say New Year's Day, but it's usually like a little bit after New Year's Day nice. to do for the next like year. A vision board, yeah, vision board yeah. party type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who knows what will happen this year? Yeah, I know. For the love of God, hopefully by uh, January we can gather safely with that people nice. that and without thinking about it. Yeah. Aside from comedy in New York and singing. What else what would you love to be in next? I mean, like I said, I think that my two vague, vague, but overall goals are to do bigger parts and more films. Like I've been really lucky in the last couple of years, or I guess, yeah, in the last few years to do a lot of really cool films, Horrible Bosses 2, American Reunion, which is a while back. Uh, don't get worried. Don't worry. Don't, uh, don't worry. You won't get far. far. But it was Gus Van Zandt, um, by the way. Gus Van Zandt, yes, thank you. I just <laughs> thought of that as soon as yet. A Star is Born. And then I have a movie coming out that I did another small part in with uh, Mila Kunis and Glenn oh. Close called. Uh, <laughs> called something. That's really great. Called something. Good something. Well, we will <laughs> know to look for it. My only Mila Kunis uh, story is that I was over in the valley one day at uh, Comancy when it was still there. I was getting a coffee with a friend and I look over and there's Ashton Kutcher outside the window looking in with the baby. And I was like, Hey, I said to my friend, that's look out the window. It's Ashton Kutcher. And she says, she's freaking out and da da da. And we're kind of talking about it. And I turn and there's this lady sitting at this, there's two women sitting at the table right behind us. And it wasn't until I got outside and looked and I'm like, Oh my God, that was Mila Kunis. And they just heard everything we just said, like like a bunch of idiots. Yeah. You gotta love Hollywood. Yeah. So that's my goal is to do bigger parts and more amazing films with amazing A-list people like that. And I would love to be on a series again. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to be a series regular doing amazing, deep, fun work on an amazing show like Ozarky kind of, you know, yeah, real gritty and yummy and so much fun stuff to dive into. Uh, High stakes. I love it. Yeah. How do you um, shake off a bad audition or a creative disappointment? That's hard. Sometimes, honestly, I think over the years, as I get older, I think that it gets a little easier because you realize that you, there are bigger fish to fry, really, and you can't dwell on it, you know, like as my agent Azim would say, um, moving on, on to the next, moving yeah. on. That's, I mean, he just like... You just got to let it go and move on. Um, but it's really hard for me sometimes, especially if it's something I really, really want. I can get hung up on it. And then I get like crazy and start looking up who did get it. Why didn't yeah. I get it? I'm the worst. Maybe I should give this up. So like we all go through our, it just depends. I mean, it depends on my, on my mental state, I guess, or mood at the time of said disappointment, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting what you're saying, because like, it's that, um, imposter syndrome a little bit of like, I'm the worst. I should just give up when yeah, like, totally. like really, if you look at you from the point of view of you who first moved here, it's like, Oh my God, you're a huge success. Right. And when I can step outside of myself, I realize that all, not all I ever wanted, but in the grand scheme of what I've 
come here to do. It was to make my living as an actor. And I do that without having a second job. So I'm very, very, very fortunate and grateful. And I do feel really proud of myself when I think about it like that. Yeah. However, I think a lot of people struggle with imposter syndrome. Like I never feel good enough, even if I'm like, watch something and I'm like, I, I could fucking do that. I can hang with them. Or when yeah. I'm on set with Bradley Cooper and all these people, and I'm like, if I could get out of my own way, I could improv more. I could just be, you know what I mean? Like I can do this. I see yeah. what they're doing. Like I, I've been working hard my whole life trying to be an actor or being an actor. I know I've got the skills. I just have to stop, but it's just, you. it's hard to not feel the imposter syndrome. Like, Oh, am I really meant to be here? Is this really, yeah. am I just faking everyone out and the little bits that I get? And that's why it's, you know, it is, that is hard. Yeah. It's what we talk a lot about, like looking, I'm, we're failing at higher and higher levels. Like, yes, you know, exactly. you wouldn't have Which gotten in nice. the room. Yeah. He's like, you wouldn't have gotten before. in the room with the, with, right. with Bradley Cooper before. And now it's like, well, that was a success, but you know what I mean? It's like getting in the room with these people that are totally. And I think we, for, I think we forget like you, like you're, I think you're, what you're leading to is we do forget along the way to really, really celebrate those victories. Like that yeah. is a big deal each little step you take, even if in the moment you don't see it as another step, if you step back from it and realize where you were and now where you're at or where you're headed, you're like, oh, that's a lot better than when I first moved here. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the hardest lesson is success doesn't look the way you think it's supposed to look. 150%. Yep. It never does. You yeah. can plan and plan, but like, I mean, whatever spiritual or not, it's a great saying, like, you know, you can, whatever that thing is about God has plans of his own type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can plan and plan and then you make a plan and, and God laughs. Yeah, exactly. So whatever. See, I'm like terrible with all my cliches and remembering anything today. That's good uh, though. You won't it. be, you won't be cliche if you can't remember what the cliches are. <laughs> Thank God for that. I'll just sound stupid all the time. Like I don't know, <laughs> like I don't prep for things and I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but I really do you guys. Like, <laughs> If you were your 13 year old self, dreaming about coming here what what do you wish you'd known what would you say to your your little your little little becky back in lennox um i would just say to like be easier on myself i i love that i have always worked hard and want to do better and make myself a better actor or better person whatever it is but i just think i can be so i can be so brutal and cruel the way i beat myself up to get to that yeah. to get where i want to see myself be and so I would just say, and just calming down, like I'm real wound up. I'm a field. I mean, if you knew my family out there or anyone, I'm just like really wound tighter than I don't even know what. And sometimes I just over worry. It's just like, don't worry so much. Just be in the moment and have fun. And the things that are meant yeah. to work out are going to work out. And the things that don't really don't matter that much. They're just going to be lessons or they're just going to be moments and blips on your journey. And that's the, and that's all they have to be. You don't have to put so much weight on everything. Yeah. I don't know. Just being present more. I think I worry about things so much going the way I want them to that I'm too worried about controlling it or worried if it's going to work out that I'm not enjoying stuff all the time. Mm, I think that's yeah. really common. Yeah. I, think, I mean, I do too, but it's, it's a little sad sometimes too. I'm trying to work yeah. on just enjoy it. Especially when you, I think again, it's sad that it takes age for that to happen. But I think as we all get older, you just don't sweat the small stuff as much. And you're just yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to just go for it and have fun. It's fun yeah. for me. They'll either like it or they won't, you know, yeah. wise or whatever. Which I think then lends an authenticity it that does. comes through. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can definitely re re uh, relate to the beating myself up stuff a lot. Yeah. I think that must run in the family. 
Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, just trying to be in the moment more. And I, I this is gonna sound terrible, but um, we have, uh, we got a dog, as you know, not that long ago. And, you know, having lost my previous dog, like 10 years ago now and how much it just ripped me up I look at her and I'm not trying to be like maudlin about like but just looking at her going she's she only has a finite life expectancy right and so I really every day I'm like I am trying to enjoy every day because I know there's going to come a time when I look back and go why didn't I not get mad at that thing she did she did or you know why didn't I hug her more it's going to be here in the blink of an eye. I know it. And I just don't want to. But that's, it's totally so true and normal. The same thing with having a kid. You do the same thing all the time. You're like, oh my God, you're little only once and it's going so fast. And why am I sweating things about what you're doing? Like, it doesn't matter. Just be kind and, and soak up every second and stop yeah. getting annoyed because it is going to go in a blip. And then before you know it, they're gone. And you're like, oh, yeah, don't leave me. Don't move away. Yeah. On that note. I don't know anyone on with us want to have any questions or or things they want to ask perhaps no one's out there perhaps no one sometimes you know story of my life sometimes you just I'm like I think I'm screaming into the void when I used to uh DJ in call on my college radio I was always like you never know if anyone's listening you're just talking nope. into the void yeah Allison I, w- I was at, at the Bradley um what's the yes. name Bradley Cooper accosting moment yes. so that was that was kind of oh that, that's I, fine I, I okay she saw me accost him with, you know, okay. I'm not some weirdo, you know, my cousin. And he's like, well, I don't really know her that well, but all right. at least you, you're for real. You really, somebody I have met before. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, he was gracious enough to tell us that we both had beautiful dogs. So he's fine on all this, but no, no, I, I don't have any questions. I just wanted to well, say thank hello. you so much for saying hi. And at least someone popped up to listen and say hi and whatever. So we don't feel so silly being like any questions no one they're listening Allison. i was just gonna say i'm a teacher and so i get it all day long of hey any questions and then just crickets silence blank faces and silence god bless your heart i have nice. to tell you i am doing homeschool right now with a group of people for my child and i admire you i thank you I always have thought teachers were special, but I just can't even believe what a pedestal I put you all up on even more now. So thank you for all of your service and everything you do. Truly teachers are special people. Yes. That's very kind. That's very kind to hear. I actually met Heidi because we were teaching together. That's right. Yeah. Teachers are very special people. Yeah. I think we're seeing even more now how much. Yes. Besides academic work, emotional labor and, you know, just and actually just you can't teach and not share your heart yeah and it's like you've got you never know what you're gonna get with students you know whether they want right, to stop you're vulnerable and whether yeah. they're gonna yeah how they're so, gonna react to that you have to just be willing to do it and then let it go and yeah expect that yeah I'm really happy with just you know just talking this what were we've covered tonight with just yay going through stuff journey you know making that journey and 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 being open to what comes next and you never like you never know what where the path is going to lead but also just celebrating each little moment yeah Um, you know when I look back at your career just seeing the stepping stones like the series of stepping stones and how when you are the person at the beginning of that journey it looks like the steps look they're like they're so high you don't know how you're ever going to get there and then it's just like well no here you go yeah yeah here's an example 
Yeah, it's funny. Raf was saying something the other day about his, um, like a friend who had, he's like, oh my gosh, this guy has 50 credit or 56 credits. And I was like, yeah, I have 50 credits. Yeah. But it's crazy to think that, you know, I don't know. I mean, we're really working out here, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Just, you know, just constantly producing quality content. That's like, you know, for me as a writer, I'm just like, I have to keep writing and keep bettering my skill and keep honing my craft just what am I leaving as a body of work? And I, I, I yeah. thought, I keep thinking, I haven't really done that much. I haven't really done that much. And then uh, a friend asked me to put together some log lines that showed that, that she could take to a producer. And so I made a word document of all, all the log lines for everything I've written since graduating UCLA. And I had one entire page of log lines for series and one entire page of log lines for features. And I'm just like, this is so much content. Like I've done, yeah, good you know, for you. Yeah. And it's like, but you, until you stop and really look, it's like, oh, I haven't done anything. Yeah. Right. No, I've done totally. a lot and I've grown in my craft. So yeah, that's great. Maybe uh, that next thing will be, I'll write a series and then you'll get star in it. And then there hey, we go. Hey, I would like that. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Working with your fam. Oh my God. Well, there's so many things that I watch that I'm just like, Becky should have done that part. They should have given that to Becky. Why isn't she? <laughs> so like, <laughs> I, I, I feel that. And, you know, I do always, I always have you in mind when I write stuff. So that's very sweet. Thank you. One of these days, one of these days we'll get to do it. I promise. All right. Let's make those vision boards and make it happen. Yes. I'm going to work on mine. Thank you so much, Becky. I really appreciate you. you. And uh, it was so lovely to talk to you. You too. Lots of love. Next time on Heartside Salons, we'll talk with powerhouse documentarian, author, and mother, Sarah Moshman, about her incredibly moving documentaries, Losing Sight of Shore, about four women who set out to row across the Pacific from America to Australia, and Nevertheless, which follows the intimate stories of seven individuals grappling with sexual harassment. Now she's sharing what she knows about all aspects of documentary success in her new book, Empowered Filmmaking, How to Make a Documentary on Your Terms. Special thanks to our graphic and sonic designer, Joel Harris. Our theme music is by Lachey Swing. For more on our script coaching, online concept to pages screenwriting courses, and writing retreats in Italy, again someday, or to be part of our live recording audience, visit us at pagecraftwriting.com, at pagecraftwriting on Instagram, and at pagecraftwrite on Twitter. I'm Heidi from Pagecraft. Thanks for listening and stay well.